here with us, I do pray that you was able to enjoy your family this week. And I know now this is the calm before the storm for many. And now you get to take a breath. And then in just a few days, you will begin to run again to go to this place and to sit at this table, to go to that table, to go here and to go there. And then you'll be exhausted and say, what in the world just happened over the last 30 days? And uh, then you'll find yourself going into a new year with all kinds of new resolutions that you will not keep. Like, amen. Aren't we just predictable sometimes? But... Uh, but nevertheless, what a joy it is to be in this season once again where we're getting ready to begin to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But tonight, for a few moments, I won't keep you long tonight, but I do want to share with you what the Lord has placed in our hearts. Uh, and uh, I want to talk to you about our nation this evening. And uh, I, I, maybe it's a, maybe I'm just trying to be a watchman and sound the alarm today, but how many knows that you've probably all heard this saying before, you don't know what you have until you lose it. Anybody heard that before? I believe that, you know, we're not the only fish in the pond, so to speak, if you will, but our nation is very unique and it's very different than many nations of the world. And uh, while we have our flaws and while we have our embarrassing moments throughout our history, we must remember who we are and what God's assignment and his plan has been for us. And we're going to look at that a little bit tonight if the Lord would help us, because I do believe that we're in a defining moment. And if the Lord would help me for a few moments, I want to talk to you about a nation in peril. When you begin to really look at the definition of the word peril, what you're really talking about is you're talking about something or someone that is in a place of grave risk or danger or in jeopardy you're talking about being exposed to great injury or loss or destruction so that's the basic definition of the word peril and how many knows that our nation we we're in a place where we need to be awakened to the reality that we can't continue as we are I'm not full in doom and gloom tonight, but I want to be real with you. And I'm going to start tonight by reading one verse in your hearing, Matthew chapter number 12, verse number 25, just one verse this evening, as we began to walk through this together tonight. Jesus is speaking. He has just touched an individual. Healing has entered into their body. The religious leaders of the day began to falsely accuse him of being part of Satan's kingdom and saying that it is by demonic power that he is operating. And Jesus answers them because he knew their thoughts. And in Matthew 12 and verse 25, it says, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Let me read it again. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. 
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the presence of the Lord that we feel in this room. We thank you for the men and women that's in this house with us tonight and those that are joining us by way of internet today. Lord, I pray that over the next few moments that you would anoint this vessel to speak your word with power and authority of the Holy Spirit. Let me not speak my opinion, but Father, let me speak that which you're birthing in my spirit. And Lord, today, I pray that you would be exalted and lifted high in all that is done today. In Jesus' name, the church says amen. Amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this evening. If you were to read in Mark chapter number 3, 24 and 25, you would also find these words. It says, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand, meaning it is impossible. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. But when you go back to Matthew 12 and 25, and it says every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. If you go in and begin to look and break down the word desolation, what you're looking at is mean that you're coming into a place of, it is brought to a place of devastation. It is brought to a place of depopulation. It is brought to a place of barrenness. It is brought to a place of sorrow or a place of grief. It becomes a desolate place. You have heard me say oftentimes from this platform that the United States of America was founded very differently than our neighbors and many other nations of the world for that matter. If you would begin to look at history, even though there are secular points of view and there is atheistic points of view that has tried to rewrite history, there is no denying the fact that we as a nation stand very differently than any other around us. But if we're going to preserve the foundation of America, we have to preserve religion and morality not only in our private lives and our families, but also, please hear me, in business, in education, and even in our government. One of the greatest influences in the founding of this nation and throughout its history has been the B-I-B-L-E. You and I must understand that our English language uh, mean uh, much of the things that we use in it uh, is basically birthed from the scriptures of God's word. When you began to look at some of the greatest productions that Hollywood has ever done or any high school drama department for that matter or any Broadway production, you will find that all of them at some point in time have did a movie or a play based upon Shakespeare. But you have to realize tonight that Shakespeare's dialogue included over 2,000 passages from this Bible. Please hear me, it has impacted everything. There are, maybe there's a few things that we have failed to teach throughout history, but let me visit just a few of them very quickly at the beginning of our time together tonight. Did you realize that the free market economy is based on five Bible verses here in the United States of America? Did you realize today that there are 30 New Testament verses on which the First Amendment guaranteed the rights of religious 
consciousness are based upon. Did you realize that in the year 1774 that the opening prayer session in Congress, it ran for two hours? Think about it, my friend. Congress had called the nation to prayer 15 times during the American Revolution. By the year 1815, there was 1,400 official government-issued calls to prayer in America. This is not preachers calling, but this is the leaders of our nation calling for times of prayer. Out of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, 29 of them held what we call today seminary or Bible school degrees. When America was founded, society believed that you should read through the Bible from cover to cover once a year. In fact, that's what they did in the public school setting. Some of you in this room can remember those days when that happened. I won't say that you're elderly. I'll just say that you're a little elderly. Okay. We find that when America was founded, it was very abnormal if you did not know what the Bible had to say concerning different matters. Notice everyone knew the Bible so well. It was considered odd when someone didn't know what the Bible's point of view was concerning it. It shaped our economic system and our education system. Our, poli our political leaders recognized the importance of the Bible. Andrew Jackson said this, the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. The teachings of the Bible are so interwoven and so entwined with our civic and social life, it would be impossible for us to figure what life would be if these teachings were removed. President Teddy Roosevelt made that quote. We also find that with regard to the history contained in the Bible, it is not so much praiseworthy to be acquitted with as it is shameful to be ignorant of it, is what President John Quincy Adams had to say. If we took out of America the things that have been built by the Bible, you would not even recognize America today. You say, what does this really have to do with us? Can I remind you of Psalms 33 and verse number 12? It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. America has been blessed. We are a blessed nation. We are a blessed people. And we have been blessed because of the covenant with God in which we have held dear to our hearts. We're also told in Psalms chapter 11 that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Can I tell you today, it isn't so much what we see on the surface, but it is what is the foundation upon which we have been built? What are its foundations? In George Washington's final address to the nation, this is what he said. He said, of all of the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable support. What am I saying today? If we are going to preserve the foundation of America, we have to preserve our heart that has always been turned towards him. And we must once again turn to a place of morality. 
not only in our private lives and family, as I mentioned earlier, but also in every avenue of life. Nothing is going to work well if you and I continue to sit in a place of silence. You and I didn't ask to be born in America, but for whatever reason, God put us here. He trusted us with this nation and this government and told us to take care of it until he returns. Please hear me tonight. We will answer to him for how it turned out for us and our lineage that he has entrusted us with. I want to ask the question tonight is when we exit this life, if the Lord delays his coming, are we leaving that which he entrusted to us in a better condition than when we received it? Can I tell you today, I have walked in many places. And even over the last few weeks, I had the privilege of walking in very many sacred places when it comes to biblical history. And I have walked in areas where at one time in history, it was filled with great beauty. It was filled with great awe. But now it is nothing more than sitting in ash heaps and ashes. I find that places that used to be thriving are now settling in a place of total decay. And if we're not careful, we are making monuments and memorials out of things that should still be effectively touching the lives of men and women. I can show you pictures that I had the privilege of taking and places that I had to be in. It's astounding when you can look at buildings and structures that was built in the year 932. And you say, oh, how did they do it at that time in history without the technology that we have? And oh, how labor intense it must have been. And we could pay attention to all of the detail of all of these great things that had been uh, erected throughout history. We can even go back beyond that and begin to walk upon the grounds in the mountains of Ariat uh, amongst the vineyards that have been planted since uh, the man of God and his family stepped off the ark. Uh, we could talk about many things that has been discovered. We could talk to you tonight about ballast stones and anchor stones that possibly very well could have been used during that time period according to historians. All of these things are very intriguing to me, but however, it brings a great pain and hardship because I look at what once was and now I see it setting in a field isolated and deteriorating and I see buildings that used to be filled with beauty and now they're setting in decay and I look at that and I say, how did it happen? How did it end up in the condition that it is today? And it simply rings true today that all that it takes for evil to be successful is for good men to do nothing. 
And today, can I tell you, while you may hear a lot of negative things around us today, I will still stand and tell you that there is still a lot of good men and a lot of good women in the nations of the world. But there has to be an awakening and there has to be a voice uh, that begins to come up out of her. If we are going to take the word of the Lord and we're going to say that it is uh, the foundation, if we're going to say that it is absolute authority, and if we're going to say that it is true, then we have to come back to Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 25 and realize that when Jesus was speaking, he was saying something very profound. He was simply saying every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Uh, And he said every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Uh, This may seem a little heavy tonight. It may seem a little weighty tonight for some, but I have to remind you uh, that we're in a place where we have to be real and we have to look at what's taking place around us and can I tell you we cannot continue as we are. I am grateful for the history that we have. We're still a very young nation and we are a very prosperous nation and we have great things to celebrate uh, in this nation. But uh, can I tell you, uh, we are a nation in peril, meaning this, uh, that we're on a fast track to a place uh, of grave danger. Uh, We're in jeopardy tonight of losing that which we have enjoyed. Uh, Can I tell you, I don't know what it's like to give you stories uh, that my father could stood here and told you. I don't know what it's like to be in that state of poverty. I I don't know what it's like to wake up with snow-covered blankets. Uh, I don't know what it's like to see pigs and chickens running underneath the floor of the house. Uh, I've not had to experience those things, uh, but can I tell you, because of the hard work and the labor of those that was before us, uh, we don't have to do that. Uh, But can I tell you, quickly, we could be there uh, because of the simple reality uh, that we are a nation uh, that is divided. Uh, I'm not just talking about in a political sense, uh, but I'm here to tell you that there is a great attack in the spiritual realm where the enemy uh, is trying to take the heart of humanity uh, and take it into a place where it is going against the grain, if you will, uh, of everything that we have ever been about. Uh, Can I tell you tonight, we as a nation need to realize uh, that God saw fit to let us be birthed in the time that he did uh, so that we could do something that no other nation has done in history. Uh, We are a nation that is extraordinary in many things, uh, but the greatest thing that we have done is we have taken this glorious gospel uh, and we have put it into the ends of the earth. Uh, In the midst of all of our trouble, uh, can I tell you, we are still mass producing uh, literature and and things of the gospel that is going and touching the ends of the world. Uh, I know our political system is a mess. Uh, I know that our families are upside down. Uh, I know that the church world uh, doesn't even know who it is anymore. Uh, But at the same time, uh, I know that there's still men and women uh, that is calling out to God and saying, God, uh, we need you. Uh, And because of that tonight, I have hope uh, 
but I have to sound the alarm today and tell you uh, that we cannot continue as we are. Uh, there has to be a return. Uh, there has to be an awakening. Uh, can I tell you, we have become so intellectual on so many things, uh, but if we're not careful, we're neglecting the most important thing, then uh, that is the foundation upon which we have been built. Notice with me tonight, we find that if you were to read in Luke chapter number 12, verse 51 through 56, I'll just briefly visit it for a moment. The word of the Lord is very clear. He says that, you know, there's an there's a, there's a, there's a issue that's going on where there will be five in one house, three against two, and two against three. He said, all of this stuff is going to be going on in your lives. But he goes on and says that, he said, you become so intellectual that you can see a cloud rise out of the west and immediately you can say that there's going to be a shower and it comes. Uh, you'll say then that you'll see a south wind blow and you'll say, oh, there's going to be heat tomorrow and it shall come to pass but he says but you can you can discern the face of the sky but yet how is it that you do not discern the time in which you live please hear me we are instructed in the word of the lord to be aware of the time that we find ourselves in paul writing to timothy some of the last words that he would ever speak to him in first timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1 he says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. But then you also find a little later in that chapter in verse number seven and verse number eight, he says, Timothy, I want you to refuse profane and old wife fables, but I want you to exercise yourself rather unto godliness for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. But see, we also could find that Paul had some other things to say, not just to Timothy, but to the people of God, especially in 1 Thessalonians 5. The first 11 verses of that chapter, he simply says, but of the times and the seasons, brother, you don't need that I need to write to you. He said, you know very well. But he simply says that we're not children of the dark, but we are children of the day, and therefore we should be aware and we should be alert of what's taking place around us. There's a great urgency in my spirit tonight to share with you. The need has never been greater in our lifetime than it is now for the church to become unified in the biblical mandate that has been given to us. Paul saw it very important to continue to write to the church at Ephesus, and he simply said, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can I tell you, that is what we're fighting in America today. We are not fighting politicians. We are not fighting party. We're fighting demonic powers from the pits of hell itself. It goes on to simply say that we are to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We are in evil days. But please hear me this evening. We have the answer. The answer is to make sure that Christ is still first and foremost in our lives. 
Hebrews chapter number 10, verses 22 and the following tells us, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. We're also told in the book of Jude that we are to contend for this faith. May I ask the question to all of us, how how engaged are we for fighting and preserving and protecting the very principles of this great nation that we get to call home? It's one thing to complain about what we see. It's another thing to engage to cause there to be a change. Complainers never do anything. But men and women that engage change worlds. Can I tell you, it does no good to sit in a circle and say, oh, I wish it was better. All we're doing is wasting time and wasting space. But if we could get two or three together in his name, touching any one thing, praying the prayer of faith, it shall be done. Please hear me today. There's still power in prayer. My father always used to have a sign that was a man on his knees with his face and his hands laying on the floor. And it simply said in big bold letters, let's make war on the floor. There is still power in prayer. Please hear me tonight. Allow me to remind us that a divided house is a house that cannot stand. As much as I love this nation that we get to call home, it cannot continue to stand. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when things drastically change. Unless there is a spiritual awakening and there is a place of repentance that is found. You can... Deny and you can hope against hope, but unless there is a true repentance, unless there is a heart that is turned back to God, unless there is a remnant of people that once again will begin to call out and lay between the porch and the altar, as we said this morning, we are a nation that is on fast track to a place of great destruction and great hardship. Because today, can I tell you, we are celebrating the very things that God hates, as I mentioned this morning in Proverbs chapter number 6. It would be one thing if that is just concerning the world, but it is concerning those that are identifying themselves as born-again believers. Please hear me. You have heard me say, God does not see a city with a church in it. He sees a church with a city around it. You and I have the ability to make something change. You and I have the ability to be the catalyst of change. But here's the reality of our day. If you're going to stand against the face of evil, it may not cost you something, but it will probably cost you everything. We often will get into the fact and simply say, well, we'll do this and we'll do that as long as I know that there's a, uh, there's a security about it, as long as I know that I'm going to be fine. 
and I'm not going to face any opposition. Can I tell you, that's a fairy tale land. But when you stand against the forces of hell, the forces of hell will come against you. I don't know where we got the ideal that because that we are born in America and because that we are Christians in the 21st century, that there is no persecution and there is no pushing back, so to speak, of the enemy. But can I tell you, sometimes, please hear me, and you see it all throughout history, sometimes there has to be a seed that is taken and planted in the ground and die in order for there to be a harvest to spring forth. I believe very much that that could be where we're finding ourselves in this nation. If you were to able to talk to any martyr that has given everything for this cause of Christ, I guarantee every one of them would simply say, I didn't really have that in my sphere. That's not what I was shooting for was to become a martyr. But nevertheless, when the call came, I was willing to give everything because of who he is in my life. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 has not changed, nor will it change for any generation, but we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. When I say we, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. We are to be a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Notice with me, the only way that we can be the salt and the light is if we will walk together in unity with one another and with him. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 133, the first three verses of that chapter, this is what he said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hebron, as the dew that descended upon the mounts of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Can I tell you today, when men walk in unity, it releases the commanded blessing of the Lord. What does that really mean? It means this. It means when a man or a woman gets into unity with the word of God, and they get into unity with one another. It changes the dynamics of everything. There is a commanded blessing. And it is that commanded blessing that disrupts the darkness that's around us. Tonight, the church must take its responsibility seriously in this hour. I'm grateful that we can come to a nice building. We can be in a place of comfort, whether it's 100 degrees outside or whether it's 20 degrees outside. We can find ourselves in luxury and we can lift our hands and we can worship and we can sing our songs and we can hear the preachers preach. But we must take it serious in this hour. We find ourselves as a nation in a very dangerous place. If we're not careful, we're going to repeat history. During the time of World War II, it is spoken. It's hard to validate it for sure, but it appears that it is very much the truth of what was taking place in the church in Germany at that time. 
that when the boxcars would go by filled with Jews, that they would just sing a little louder because they did not want to deal with what was taking place on their watch. Tonight, we have to be honest and we have to look around and we have to acknowledge that our nation is in trouble today. There is men and women that is going against the very foundations of who and what we have always been. We are now dealing with great influence of demonic opposition. And we continue to sit in silence. May I remind you that in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's some things that's said that's very powerful. There is a time and a place and a season for everything. There is a time of peace. There's a time of war. There's a time to plant. There's a time to pluck up that which was planted. There's a time for rejoicing. There's a time for mourning. Can I tell you, we can choose to believe whatever but this is not a time of peace. But this is a time of war. And I'm not talking about picking up natural arms, so to speak, to go face our enemy. But I'm talking about coming back to a biblical understanding where we realize that the word of the Lord is very clear. And he says this, the weapons of our warfare are not are not carnal, but what? They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Can I tell you that right now as a nation, we are dealing with strongholds. If you want your family to live it, if you want your community to be set on track, if you want your nation to come back to a place where once again it is a city sitting on a hill, it will be because somebody engages in warfare. Do we understand the reality of the hour is the ultimate question. Do we realize that this is not something to sneeze at? This is not something to ignore, but there is an enemy that is persistently, continually pursuing your children and your grandchildren and your teenagers and your young adults. It's pursuing and it's pursuing and relentlessly it's going after the omen. And if we think that another service next weekend is the answer, we are, we are badly mistaken. But if somebody will understand that we have been brought to such an hour as this and we have been placed in a nation such as this uh, for such a time as this uh, we must awaken to the responsibility of the hour and we must say you know what uh, I will put everything else on hold uh, but I must do something uh, can I tell you in the natural realm if you would acknowledge uh, if we could just envision this for a moment uh, if you would say that there is a list uh, of men and women that is in banking around Rush County and they was over in Liberty and they was getting ready to circle our area and you know, they were saying this pro very loudly uh, and without hesitation, we're coming to take your family. Uh, you would go home, you would load up every gun you have, every weapon at your disposal and you would say, not on my watch, uh, but can I tell you greater than that, there is a demonic influence 
influence uh, that is not just in the border of Rush County or Liberty or Union County, uh, but can I tell you, it's already here in our county uh, and every other county across our nation. Uh, and we think we can sing a song and hear a message and say, well, it'll be better tomorrow. Uh, no, uh, we are a nation that's in the crosshairs of the enemy. Uh, but can I tell you, if I can get somebody, uh, I don't need everybody. Uh, I just need somebody uh, that will stand and say, God, uh, I need you to be Lord of my life. Uh, you see, I'm reminded in Scripture in the midst of everything that was going on, uh, Abraham said this, Lord, don't destroy them. Uh, Lord, don't destroy them. And the Lord said this, uh, and Abraham said this, uh, well, if you could find 50, he says, if you can find 50, I won't destroy it. Uh, you know the story. Well, if, what about 40? Uh, what about 30? Uh, what about 20? What about 10? Uh, simply, he was saying, if I can just find a handful of righteous, uh, then I will not destroy. Uh, can I tell you, I believe this in my spirit tonight uh, if we can get just a handful of men and women uh, to begin to be serious about this thing uh, we can see a nation begin to turn around uh, listen uh, I'll, I'll sing with you I'll dance with you I'll preach with you but I need somebody to go to battle with me uh, in a place of prayer uh, can I tell you 2 Chronicles seven fourteen uh, is still ringing true today uh, if my people uh, which are called by my name uh, shall humble themselves and pray uh, and seek my face uh, and turn from their wicked ways. Uh, then will I hear from heaven uh, and I will forgive their sin uh, and I will heal their land. Uh, I'm not here saying that it's over, uh, but I'm here to tell you if somebody uh, will kneel down in prayer, uh, if somebody uh, will awaken to the call and the responsibility, uh, we can be a nation once again uh, that sees the hand of God uh, that begins to shift uh, and the nations of the world can have an experience with God. But it begins by somebody, somebody understanding we can't stay as we are. I'm going to bring this to a close in just a moment. In this air, God has chosen the church and his ear is still inclined to us and his eyes are still open to us. The question is, will we, will we awaken to the task and the responsibility that God has given us? We must not just unite together, but we must unite together in prayer. And we must once again intercede for a family a community and a nation and if we will we will experience his hand of restoration and tonight i want to leave you with this it's still worth fighting for. If we're going to preserve the foundation of America, we have to preserve the foundation upon which it was built. In the year 1801, an individual stood and spoke to the legislator in Connecticut 
After he finished speaking to the entire state government assembled, he looked up in the balcony to all the citizens who had just voted these guys in the office, and this is what he said. To God, you're accountable for your rights and your rulers. Let not your children have reason to curse you for giving up those rights and prostrating those institutions which your fathers delivered to you. Please hear me. We will give an account for what we do on our watch. You and I today, we have a voice. We must use it. We have been given much. And where much is given, much is required. I have been greatly impacted over the last several weeks of my life. I'm grateful for all of the blessings of the Lord. I'm grateful for the opportunities that has been granted to me. But I stand before you tonight with a greater awareness of what we have been given and how much we must really contend for it. I have seen what it is to be in a place that had once embraced such awareness of the things of God and to also walk in those same places that are now desolate, overran by evil and violence. The oldest Christian nation was the nation of Armenia, was an idol nation. But there's a man by the name of Gregory that came preaching and sharing the glorious gospel. He was not received, he was, he was resisted and he faced great opposition in such a manner that they took him and throwed him in an old dried cistern to leave him there for dead. For 13 years, this man was in this cistern. They thought he was dead. But every day, there was a little lady that would walk by and drop a little bit of water and a little bit of food. Standing in an old mire, old clay. The king of Armenia became very sick and they tried everything and they simply said, you're going to die. And they said, well, what about Gregory, the God of Gregory? Maybe he can save you. They said, Gregory's dead. And they said, no, he's not dead. He's still alive in a pit, lived there for 13 years. Short version of the story is they went and they grabbed him, pulled him up, cleaned him up, brought him into the presence of the king. 
Gregory prayed for him, and the king was miraculously healed. The year 301, the king says, if your God can do that, we will be a nation that serves your God, your one true God. We are a nation that will follow Christ. We know that it is the land where Thaddeus and Bartholomew came and spread the gospel. We know that it is a place that is rich in history, but now it's the only Christian nation in that part of the world. It's surrounded by dark Muslim countries. I was amongst all of them just a week ago. But I said and I ministered to Armenians that identify as Christians. And they have been led to believe that they're Christian because they're born Armenian. But yet they don't know who Jesus is. They've never heard his name outside of a scope of religion. They've never heard of him in the form of a relationship. They have their pride of we are the oldest Christian nation, but yet they don't know who Jesus is. They are a nation that had a turning point in its history. And it decided to be religious. It decided to compromise. It decided to just go along to get along. And now the result is it's barren. It's in great despair, great destruction, great devastation. What I'm saying tonight is this, you can identify any way you want to, but that does not mean that's who you are. The gentleman that I know was in an airport last evening, very late, he traveled all day, he walked into the ticket counter and there was a man that was covered in makeup and high heel shoes that greeted him and took his card and he looked at him and he asked him a question. He said, yes, sir. And the man looked at him in astonishment and he said, seriously. And the gentleman that I know simply said, I choose to live in the world of reality, not the world of your dreams. Needless to say, they didn't go very well. Can I tell you, you can identify as you will. That doesn't mean it's a reality. You and I today are a nation that we can choose to just identify as something or we can choose to really be what God's called us to be. But in order for us to be what God's called us to be, we will have to engage we can't sit on the sidelines another five years, another year, another 30 days. It has to be now. Your children are worth fighting for. Your grandchildren are worth fighting for. Your nation is worth fighting for. So the question is, Do we have the mindset that David had when he stood 
And he heard this loud, booming voice of a giant by the name of Goliath that simply said, I will imprison you. You will be our slaves. You will be our servants. I will conquer you. Will we shriek back in fear or will we be like David that simply says, is there not a cause? I believe there's a cause today. You say, how can you say that today? Is because the great commission has not yet become the great completion. As my dear friend, Dr. Howard Foltz, it's in heaven, always said. We may be the last generation that this thing is handed and trusted to. Let's make sure that we do our part to make this great commission the great completion. And let's make sure that our nation doesn't go down on our watch, but let our nation continue to be a light that's shining in the darkest corners of the globe with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. As we stand all over the house tonight, please. Maybe a little sobering tonight. Not here filled with doom and gloom, but here to tell you that there is great responsibility. We're getting ready, as I mentioned briefly this morning at the beginning of service, we're getting into a season of where you will see and you will hear an openness to talk about a baby by the name of Jesus more so over the next four weeks than you will at any other time of the year. I pray that we will take advantage of this opportunity. I pray that we will be that voice that begins to ring in the ears of men and women amongst the walls of our nation where once again we proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. So tonight I want to pray with you and pray for you as we get ready to start a brand new week together. I want to pray that the Lord would give us just an awareness, an awakening. Maybe tonight you say, I hear what you're saying, preacher, but, and I want to be involved and I, and I want to fight for our nation, but I just don't know how and I just don't know what to do. I, as, I, as I mentioned earlier today, Lord, Give us understanding. Give us wisdom. If we pray in that manner, he will faithfully give us direction and guidance on how to engage. So today I pray, pray that we would all be sensitive to that which he's calling us to and that which he is instructing us to do. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. I thank you for who you are in our lives, and I thank you for the awesome privilege that we have today to call this great land home. Lord, I don't take it for granted tonight that the founders of this great nation had a heart that was sensitive towards you and they understood they had revelation that was beyond their years 
Lord, I believe it was revelation knowledge that was granted to them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Because you have your hand upon this nation to be very instrumental in bringing about the great completion of this wonderful great commission of going into all the world and taking this glorious gospel to those that are lost, those that are hurting, those that are broken. And Lord, we thank you for every generation before us that has done that and has paid a great price to ensure that that was taking place. And Lord, we celebrate even those that are doing it now, even amongst us. And Lord, today we stand and we know this, that there is still a cause. There is a generation worth fighting for. There is a nation worth defending. And Lord, we will not sit silently by as we continue to see the, the attempts of the enemy to bring destruction and death to the very foundation on which we are built. But today, Lord, we're not embarrassed to ask you for wisdom and understanding because we have limited we have limited understanding we have limited knowledge in ourselves but Lord you teach us when we ask that we receive and today Lord we're asking for wisdom and knowledge on how to engage in this season Lord I know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal and that they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds but God we need to know how to use them Lord I pray that you would teach us how to pray I pray that you would teach us how to engage in the spirit world and through the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost Lord raise up a generation that would begin to pray in the spirit again Raise up a generation that would begin to make war on the floor as the generations before us have done. Lord, we know this, that mountains can be moved and things can be reversed in a moment of time when you begin to put your hand to it. So today, Lord, we're praying. We're praying for our nation and we're praying for our families. We're praying for our communities. And Lord, we're praying that nothing of evil would come nigh our dwelling but this would be a time and this would be a season in which you're exalted and lifted high Lord we're praying tonight that you would use us Lord I pray that you would anoint every man every woman every boy every girl with this the spirit of excellence to be able to be that voice to be that example in the circle of influence that you've given them Lord, let there be a spirit of boldness raise and rest upon your people where we are not ashamed to share this glorious gospel with great passion, with great zeal. Lord, give us the strength to stand for right. Let us be a voice of reason in the midst of the craziness of our day. Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead and guide those that you have given places and positions of authority in the house of worship as well as in the halls of government the local, the state, and the federal level throughout our nation. Lord, I pray that evil would be exposed. I pray that right would begin to reign. And Lord, I pray that there would begin to be divine reversals. And Lord, I pray that health would be restored. And Lord, today I pray that you would lead us and guide us and direct us. Lord, I pray that as we start a brand new week, it would be a week of opportunities for us to be the hands and feet that you've called us to be. Let us not be discouraged, but Lord, let us embrace the awesome responsibility 
Lord, to go and tell. Lord, let us be the example. Let us walk in a manner where men are drawn to you. Lord, we pray that you would be lifted up in our lives this week. Lord, we pray blessings over our family. We pray blessing over the businesses that is represented. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless your people going in and bless them going out. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. Hey, everybody. It's Pastor Jade Abrams here. I just want to thank you for watching and joining with us today. We're so glad that you chose to be with us. We just encourage you to stay in contact with us. Click, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date what's happening here at PTC. We bless you in Jesus' name, and we love you, and so does God. Have a good day.